Hello, everybody. Uh, welcome to episode two of the history of Survive Org. Um, as you can see, we've got what appears to be a layout going. I won't be changing from the screen too much on the Discord. I may not change from it at all um, as I just figure out what I want to do with visuals with the series. Um, this is intended to be mostly an auditory um, experience for viewers or listeners. However, um, at some point I may try to show different confessional excerpts. Um, I may do some video editing and crop exactly what I want to show. But for now, we're going to leave the entire season info open um, as we begin talking about the first season of Survivorg, which is Survivorg Borgneo. Um, this season began on, I believe, November 20th or 21st of 2017. And, um, yeah, this season was kind of historically known for being incredibly dark and toxic and um, boring. However, I think toxic and dark are definitely words that can be used to describe this season. But boring... Uh, Borgneo was anything but boring, and um, that was something that I didn't really know until I've been reading back to the season again. Um, this first four episodes that we're going to go over, we're going to go all the way from 20th place down to 15th place. We're going to talk about it each round, what's happening, and then in the next episode, we will have our first two guests. Um, as both a former host and a former player will be joining us for the discussion about section of Borgneo from fake merge at the final 14 all the way through Connor quitting the game at the final seven. So, to begin, episode one of Survival Org Borgneo. Now, like I said, the season started in late November and if I remember correctly, there were about 50 applicants, or maybe it was 30-something. I, I don't remember the exact number, but 20 players were cast. As was discussed in the first, um, I believe, introduction episode for Borgneo, um, Borgneo was cast pretty much like exclusively uh, from a pool of people that all came from the Reddit survivor discord server which is where survivor was created and so a lot of the players for the season they already knew each other um however for most of the hosts and the cast this was their first ever org experience and as we go through the cast i'll try to point out the notable people who had played before which as far as i know there's only two and so for most people they didn't really know like what in the world they were doing. And I think that makes this all the more interesting because getting to see these people figure out how to play a long-term experience, which is in this season, everybody call it a long-term because even on the logo, as you can see in the top right, it said Survivor Borgnia long-term. And so at the that time, it was basically just seen as a long Roblox season that goes for a full 39-day season. And so, um, some of the things that I think kind of led to Survivor becoming so big 
were first and foremost that connection that SurvivorC had to Reddit Survivor and that Discord server, which had hundreds of members at this point. It gave it a huge audience that a lot of people were invested in watching this season live. And some of the things that I think attract a lot of players, firstly, the closed confessionals. This orc had no spectator access to confessionals or alliance chats. All they could see were the tribe camps and the tribal council channels and the immunity challenge channels. And I believe that that makes this really interesting because I think that players were more inspired or influenced by production to play the game a little bit more publicly in the tribal chats because in modern orgs we don't really see people playing the game and talking game in public channels but in borgneo it happened at almost every single tribal council and i think that's just really interesting to see um there were unique challenges uh to an extent in this first season, you know, the check-in challenge was, as far as I know, the first time it had ever been done. And it was, uh, it became a Survivor classic. They did it, or I think Survivor has done it for the first 14 seasons and brought it back one or two times since. Um, another big thing that Survivor didn't become known for, but was featured heavily in Borgneo, was also the cross-tribal communication. Uh, this proved to be incredibly influential on the game as a lot of players utilize this to build connections with other players. And going into the merge, you know, you had the opportunity to talk to everybody already, even if you didn't get to play the game with them. So that's all things that are just really interesting about Borgnia right off the bat. Obviously, as I have already mentioned, there's a large group of producers. Um, I think there was eight, nine producers for this season, which I mean, most orgs at the time were having one, two, three, maybe four producers, but never this many producers. I think it added to the official feeling of this series is just how much investment was put into the production aspect of the series. Um, and then again, as already mentioned, you know, most people were already friends heading into this game. Uh, they already knew each other from all the Roblox official games. That were hosted on the uh, uh, Reddit Discord server. And so, yeah, um, kind of heading into the cast. Um, in fact, I'll click here and we'll see um, a cast list here. Oh, it doesn't give us the actual, um, it doesn't give us the cast list based on what tribe they started on, but I will do that. Um, on the Pagong tribe, we had, this is not an alphabetical order, by the way, this is in order of uh, highest placement to lowest placement. We had Axis, uh, Corey, Lane, Honor, Arlo, Chocolate Lab, Mario, Zayden, possibly this, and Feropia, I believe. And so that is the Pagong tribe, and once I go over the Tagi tribe, we'll go over both tribes and the people on the tribes individually. And Tagi is everybody that wasn't on Pagong, so Andrew, uh, Majestic, in a word, yes, or Ayawi. I'm going to go in a word, yes, though, just for audio's sake. Uh, Pal, uh, Akos, Angela, Matt, 
Chris, Kafal, or Kafal, and Judd. And so looking at these these tribes, rather, uh, right off the bat, I mean, a lot of these players are still around. Well, not a lot, but some of them are. You know, you look at Matt or Angela or In A Word Yes um, or um, Mario still around and possibly this is sometimes still around. Um, there's still a few of these people that are still around today. Um, however, a lot of these people aren't around anymore for one reason or another. Um, Andrew sometimes pops around. Majestic pops around sometimes. But as a collective whole, these are all people that were very active in the Reddit Survivor Discord server. Or in the case of a few of them had played some orgs and saw this and was like, wow, this seems like a really great opportunity. Um, in terms of the people that had actually played already, um, Baropia, uh, Corey and Akos, as far as I know, were the only three that ever played an official, like, full-length org before. And, in fact, Veropia was very experienced coming into the season and was a favorite to win, I believe, early on, just because of that experience. Um, other players that were predicted as heavy favorites were people like Connor or Angela or Matt or Majestic. Or in a word, yes. And these were all people that had been playing the short-term Roblox seasons that were hosted on the Reddit Survivor Discord, were very involved with the community, and I think a lot of fans expected them, I guess fans, viewers, um, expected them to be, you know, like more of the power players. And for the most part, this held pretty true. Um, in terms of the eventual winner, Andrew, Andrew came in with not much of a reputation. Um, and uh, the reason I bring that up is because a lot of what, you know, old school survive work has become known for is all the relevant people are always the people that are the quote unquote, you know, big names uh, in the actual survive work seasons, the people who end up going far. And I believe with Andrew, that wasn't necessarily the case. Andrew kind of came in, was involved with the Reddit Survivor Discord community, but uh, wasn't as well known as somebody like Angela or Majestic, um, who were both more bigger characters. And so going into this season, um, if I was a viewer, you know, I would probably expect somebody like, I don't know, Corey, or maybe even someone like Zayden or Arlo, uh, players who are a little bit more under the radar to be bigger players in the game down the road. Because typically in orgs, I feel like the louder you are and the more vocal you are, the harder it is for you to get to the end. And as we'll see, that did kind of hold true. I mean, you look looking at this cast list. And so, going to the tree mail, one thing that uh, was done in Borgnio that I don't believe was done in any season afterwards was that challenges were announced in the tree mail channel, something that when Marshall Oglins came around, they did in a pretty similar vein, which is really interesting. And we can see the very first iteration of a 24-hour check-in. 
uh, infamous challenge. Not the most popular one either, for sure. As it's very simple. Every single hour, starting at a certain time, you have to do a check-in, and you have to follow the exact um, punctuation that is labeled right here. Um, and I, I do believe this challenge at time was a good challenge. Um, as, as the orc community kind of grew and grew and grew, I think it became a little bit less responsible to do this challenge. Um, when you have good time zone distribution amongst tribes, this, this tribe or this challenge is pretty good. I, at least in my opinion, where you can have people that don't have to stay up super late to do a check-in or whatever. And so in this challenge, I believe it was pretty close for a while. And looking at this, we can go through and see, you know, early on, the two tribes were pretty even, you know, four minutes, four hours exactly. And I forget where exactly it goes wrong. I believe it's on... This check-in right here, no? Right here, for Pagong, the first check-in that is messed up in Survival Arc history is Mario, whose name on this server is Goose. Actually, I just think that's their Discord name now, yeah. And so, at 10.01 uh, Central Time, this was the first check-in that was messed up in Survival Arc history. And from there, Tagi held the lead for a little while. Um, and then... Still at that same gap a couple hours later. And then we can see this happen. Uh, Pagong gets two check-ins in a row. And considering that Tagi was in the lead up until that point, um, Tagi not getting those two check-ins in a row meant that they had fallen behind. And as you can see, in a word, yes, is the person responsible for that. Except... According to confessionals, Judd had said that he would do that check-in at like 6 a.m., but then didn't show up at all. And so Inward Yes came in and stepped up and got it done. And one, one rule for the check-in challenge, by the way, is that you can't do two check-ins in a row. You can do as many as you want at this early stage in the challenge's history, but you can't do two in a row. So you can see Inward Yes to 16. But can't do 17 and couldn't have done 15 either. And so um, then it keeps going. And then this is Veropia and 803, 804. So as you can see, the gong squandered the lead that they had by three minutes. And then Chalk just completely ruins it. And that is a theme this season Chalk kind of ruining everything. Um, with this checking number, number 20. And from that point on, challenge was over as Chalk had messed that up over there. And as a result, Pagong loses the first challenge, even though Veropia had technically been the one that actually lost the challenge. And so that means that Pagong has to go to the first tribal council in Survivor history. And there had already been as much drama as you could possibly have uh, before a tribal council even starts as Pagong was, with a lack of a better term for it, they were just a complete shit show. Uh, there's 
countless alliances. I could not keep track of every alliance. I think there was at least 10 alliances already before cha the challenge had even ended. And so with, there's no trust pretty much anywhere. There's an alliance called the Renegades with possibly this, Zayden, Corey, Mario, and Connor. There's an alliance of seven created on day one by Chalk with everybody besides Arlo, possibly this, and somebody else that I'm forgetting. Europia is trying to work with Lane and Connor and Axis and Mario and Arlo, which is this is after hearing that Chalk had threw out his name. Apparently, Chalk threw out Veropia's name because Veropia was experienced in Orcs. So this is common knowledge now that Veropia is an experienced player. And as a result, we kind of see the first instance of meta-targeting in the Org, which happened a ton early on in this season, where outside influences on the game, such as Roblox long-terms or previous friend groups, or even like alliances that were created on out of game contexts, but due to the ability, due to the fact that cross tribal communication was allowed, these alliances didn't really get regulated or at all, um, as we'll talk about later. Um, it's interesting to see Veropia be such just like a total menace, um, because what ends up what ended up happening is that uh, Veropia kind of quickly realizes that he's at the bottom of the new group that he's just created which is lane connor axis mario and arlo the people that he trusts the most to you know potentially work against chalk and this actually works i believe like people are down to vote chalk out if veropia had just done this and nothing else veropia probably stays because chalk is just as much and three times more of a mess than veropia chalk is creating as many alliances as possible Chalk has lost trust in pretty much the entire tribe, and Veropia has capitalized on that. But then Veropia just like figures out like I'm at the bottom of this new group I've created, which in his defense is probably true, but he creates a counter alliance with Zayden, Corey, and Chalk. Chalk, who they've both thrown each other's names out. And Lane, who has seen Veropia create this other alliance and is like Veropia what the fuck are you doing and Veropia is trying to get them to vote against either Connor or Axis and I mean nobody is down for this idea you know at this point now it's 100% gonna be on Veropia um, and that's because Lane has built some pretty solid relationships with Connor and Axis and as much as he doesn't trust Chalk he's like Wow, you know, Chalk is such a shield for me. In fact, I, I do want to pull this confessional up. I think I think Lane's confessionals in this season are really, really great. They're super short and to the point. And so we can see um Yeah, um Chalk would likely Oh wait here. Um Sorry for the silence. Yeah, in this confessional, Lane has just mentioned how Chalk is going to be a huge shield and that he does think that 
you know, um, chalk is a good shield. And so that's all happening as we open the tribal council chat. We'll see. Veropia ends up leaving nine to one. And craziest thing, and I don't know how this happened, is that Lane ends up being Veropia's vote. And apparently, as far as the only reason that I could assume that Lane got the vote was because Veropia was like, Yeah, Lane, you're a snake. Um, I stay away from me. And I'm just gonna vote for you even though I think you're, I know you're staying. Because um, I, I, I'm pretty sure Veropian knows. I don't imagine this is a blind side, is it? Um, yeah. Um, overall, it's kind of shocking that the most experienced player is the first boot. You know, looking at this tribe, you know, possibly this is pretty inactive on this tribe. Arlo. And um, Arlo and Corey are kind of playing the game that I thought Roby would play more under the radar. Um, it, it's just very surprising that you know it went the way it did. Roby just overplaying himself straight out of the game, um, and Roby's overplaying actually allowed for a pretty influential alliance to form. Called the Claw Alliance with two A's. It's an alliance between Connor, Lane, Axis, um, Arlo, and Mario. And the W is an upside down M. I think that Mario changed his username at some point. And so that alliance forms throughout all this chaos. And it's just basically five of the more level headed players. Well, four of the more level headed players. And Mario. Um, and notably, it's also the entire alliance of people that Veropia tried to work with originally. Which is why it was a correct read that Veropia was at the bottom of that new group. Because all five of them ended up working together. And all five of them would actually make the merge of this season. And so it's just a really interesting thing that Veropia tries to get this group together. And they end up working together after the fact. Um, and while it seems like it was just an easy 9-1 vote, there was some other, you know, chaos where Veropia uh, was trying to flip votes. And at one point, the vote almost flipped back against Chalk, which is because Connor and Axis wanted to vote Chocolate Lab out. Um, again, Chalk was just a complete menace. Chalk was also hardcore trying to play the cross-tribal communication out, which... I haven't talked about it yet. I've just focused exclusively on uh, the Pagong tribe here. And, you know, with this cross-tribal communication and players like Andrew and Angela and Majestic and In A Word Yes and Matthew all cross-tribal communicating with this tribe and trying to influence what's happening over here a little bit, I believe that Chuck almost became a target again. Uh, but Ultimately, the the group just decided Veropia, you know, Chalk might be messy, but you've done even more than him. That's tribal, and so you got to go. And yeah, um, that's the first tribal council. But before we go to episode two of Borgneo, you know, I also want to talk about the 
Tagi tribe a little bit. And so on Tagi, we had um, Andrew and Angela and Matt find themselves in like the best positions on this tribe. And then in a word, yes, and Pow kind of sitting closer to the outside, I guess I'd say. And then a bunch of players that are, don't really have a place in the game yet, like Akos or Akos, uh, Majestic, you know, Chris, Cathal, Judd. Like they're all. It's so confusing in the Tagi tribe because the confessionals admittedly aren't that great. And so we only really see the tribe from the perspective of those who are doing the confessionals, like In a Word, yes, and Angela, and Matt, and Cathal. Uh, uh, Cathal, and so the people like Judd, or Chris, or Akos, um, and even to an extent Pow, or certainly Pow, rather, um, we just don't know where their heads are at any point. So it's hard to determine the true like hierarchy in this tribe. But the one thing that's for sure is that Angela is both seen as running the tribe and also running the tribe. Um, and Andrew is very aware of this. And I think Andrew's sort of winner edit starts from episode one. I think it's very clear to see why Andrew won the game based on his actions in episode one. Because he openly acknowledges that his position isn't the number one position in the tribe. But that's exactly what he wants. As later on down the road in this season, Andrew is not going to be seen as the figurehead. And so... I think that Andrew's gameplay is great from the beginning on this tribe. And everybody sees Andrew as a threat. Everybody knows he's a good player and really great socially. But Angela has attracted so much attention to herself, as is Matt, by just being so only like snaky. I don't know another way to de- describe it. They're both creating a ton of alliances um, and allowing people like Inaward, yes, and Andrew and Akos and um, Majestic to just kind of coast along. Obviously, some of them don't. Um, In a word, yes, is pretty active in setting up his game. And as we'll see, In a word, yes, becomes, in my opinion, the best positioned player in the entire game moving forward. But um, Antagi, even though they're not going to tribal, they are creating a lot of alliances. They are trying to influence the Pagong tribal. And... That is kind of indicative of what Borkneo is. And to me, like, if you just look at this first episode, this is a great first episode. It is chaotic as fuck. We have a ton of people that are really interested in our watch. You know, players like Angela and Mario and Chalk is, I mean, Chalk is a crazy, like, individual person, you know. Um, and has done a lot of pretty questionable things in the community. I don't know Chalk that well, so I do want to refrain from making any character judgments on Chalk at this point, you know. But Chalk is incredibly interesting and fun to watch play the game because of how much of a menace he is. Um, Arlo is pretty great. Lane's confessions are great. Connor, you know, again, Connor does something that is pretty one of the most infamous things that have ever happened in Survive Org in the following season and really just destroys any reputation and um, real morality that he can claim to have. 
Um, and we'll talk about that later. At this point, I don't know if I want to talk about it yet. I think in the next episode, we can talk about it with um, two guests I have, which I will reveal the names of at the end of the episode. So if you want to hear who it is, you got to at least stay tuned until then. Um, but overall, I mean, this is a great first episode. You get to kind of establish the tone of the season right away. And the chaos doesn't end. You know, this entire first part that we're going to go over. It's all chaos, and I think that that's just indicative of the nature of the survival community at this point. It's so brand new, yet these people have been playing with each other for over a month now, like two months of you know playing these long-term games with each other, getting to know everybody. You know, everybody really knows each other already, even if it's just to a small extent. And so, seeing them all interact in this long-term game, it is really engaging and fun to watch so i guess that leads us into episode two of borgneo and the challenge for this episode is multitask which is a flash game this one's been an orc challenge forever it's actually called multitask matchups because being a bit of a twist i don't know if this has been a way that this challenge was done in the past but um in this game, it's just this flash game, and each tribe listed the person who was the best all the way to their worst at multitasking, and that way they would do a uh, a duel against each other. So, for example, how and possibly this were voted as the best at multitasking um, for each of their individual tribes, so they dueled, and all the way down to nine. And so, you know, in this challenge, you know, there's a lot of different factors, you know. Chalk is seen as the next target, um, and that is because of that claw alliance that was mentioned, you know. And so that's Connor, Lane, Axis, Arlo, and Mario. And they are all, like, considering throwing this challenge because Chalk is, like, just such a big, juicy target to take out. And I, I do believe that had Chalk left, you know, this game would have ended up different, but we could talk about that a little bit more later. Um, Lane, Connor, and Arlo specifically, I do believe are just in the best spots on that tribe at this point. They are in the majority alliance, and they also have the connections with the people outside. Axis and Mario have kind of pissed Chocolate off, especially Axis. Axis and Chalk are enemies, and that is something that will become much more apparent you know, in future parts. And especially, like, just in the second part of this Borgnio recap, um, the two just beef constantly, and they don't trust each other, like, at all. Um, and in addition, Connor and Lane and Arlo are just much more perceptive to how the rest of the tribe views them, and they're thinking a lot more heavily about playing a little bit more under the radar and not being as visible. Um, Ultimately, though, Pagong doesn't really throw the challenge, although um, they didn't really need to throw the challenge because it feels like Tagi did. Um, several people not submitting scores in this challenge. Yeah, I mean, it was pretty crazy. 7-2 to Pagong, they just dominated this challenge. Several people did not submit. Cathal, Cathal, 
uh inner word yes doesn't submit power doesn't submit so it is it's just rough for or Taki. and this is because judd has become entirely inactive is not responding to people does not want to talk to anybody um I mean, we can look at confessionals here. Just, there's really nothing, you know. Um, as far as we can tell, life just got busy. And so, that ends up leading to a really simple Bible for Tagi. Um, I, hopefully for them, you know. you They know what just happened at Pagong and how chaotic and how divided that tribe is. And you'd hope that your tribe can go into this tribal upcoming and say, we just got to be united. Got to make a group decision together. Everybody just vote out Judd. He's our weak link. And in future challenges, we will be stronger because of it. But people have some other ideas. For whatever reason, people seem to want to do anything but vote Judd at first. Angela and Matt both talking about potentially voting out um, other players. I believe Akos or Akos was the playing target at one point. All of a sudden, Chris's name gets thrown out there. Um, Powell's name is thrown out there, and eventually the vote does you know settle onto Judd, and rightfully so. As Judd is just not communicating with anybody. And so, um, the only person that really might want to ultimately keep Judd is in a word yes. And that's because Judd did build a, uh, a connection with in a word yes. But in a word yes also realized that it's just silly to try to protect Judd and ends up voting with everybody against Judd. However, there was a little bit of drama with the potential of an idol being found as even though Judd had been super inactive, if Judd did have the idol, if everybody just votes for Judd and then he idols, he gets a pick who leaves. And so there's some people that are considering throwing a vote and then Angela is the only person that actually commits to it voting uh, for Cathal and or Cathal. I, I think I'm going to go Cathal from here on out. And so Angela throws that vote, and Cathal is feeling pretty high on himself, you know? He's kind of thinking, I'm doing a great job, you know, nobody really wants me gone. Um, and then he receives a vote, and he only receives one vote, and Judd receives nine, because Judd self-votes. Um, it's happened quite a few times in this season. It's kind of indicative of, again, just the total, like, messy gameplay in this season, a messy atmosphere and environment for this game to be taking place in where you know you have people that are playing their asses off and then you have Judd who's just not even present remotely. And in the tribal chat, I mean, we open it, we can just see everybody openly saying that um Judd is the target, you know? I mean this is this is crazy. This never happens in orgs no. Even if there's somebody who's super inactive, you know, people just openly saying it. Um, everybody, I mean, look at this. Uh, in a word, yes makes this. And it's a sub meme template that was uh, popular in 2017. Um, 
and it's everybody in the tribe's profile pictures uh, besides uh, in a word yes who's saying this about his tribe uh, besides judd and this is judd's profile picture right here in the center and so you know that's just it's super indicative of the way this tribe ran um judd was the easy boot for them obviously um the inactive play leaves it's as simple as that and luckily for pagong they kind of kept it simple in not playing the game too hard in the time that uh tagi was voting out their inactive player and so heading out of the first two episodes now not a whole ton has changed from episode one that's why this recap of this episode is really quick um the big things to note is that Angela and Andrew are now in the power positions, except Andrew's not seen as as much of a power player as Angela. And so they're running their tribe. And then, like I mentioned earlier, Lane and Connor and Arlo are totally running Pagong. And so, you know, everybody's gearing up for their second or their third challenge, rather. You can see. That everybody is being told, you know, today's challenge is going to be starting. Only one part will be revealed now. And they got to rank each other again on a scale of one to nine from how good they are to the worst of challenges. Uh, that doesn't matter at all. It doesn't matter even one bit as they are swapping. Um, the swap, this ends up being, in my opinion, the most entertaining part of the season uh, is this swap right here i mean both swaps are great in this season in my opinion they're both really entertaining it's not a little dark but again we'll talk about it um every single tribe is split evenly three to three between og uh tagi and og pagong and going over each individual tribe we will see that Hi, oh yeah, by the way, it's a uh, three tribes of six swap. I should have mentioned that already, but they have the Toggy 2.0 and Pagong 2.0 tribes, and then they have uh, Ratana 1.0. So they brought the merge tribe from the actual Survivor season as a swap tribe, which I think a lot of people were actually expecting Survivor to follow the follow like the tribal layouts, and in the first season they they go away from that. And so I think that's one of the cool things about Survivor is that they had the opportunity to do what Same Viver does now, where they follow the exact format, and they didn't. They went for the more interesting route, where they kept people guessing, and you didn't know what was going to happen. Um, and so this season, three tribes in the very first season of Survivor. Uh, on the Tagi tribe, uh, the new Tagi tribe, rather, the Tagis that are remaining are Majestic, a pow and possibly this. Oh wait, no. Wait, was possibly this? Um, that was it. Oh, in a word, yes. Sorry, it was in a word, yes. That was the third word. Is in a word, yes, majestic and pow. And then for the. Pagong 1.0 people now on Tagi 2.0. It was possibly this Corey and Arlo. And for both of these groups, these are like 
two groups of, or this is a split three to three that neither side was super united originally. Um, and both sides are kind of considering flipping on each other. And the moment the swap happens, Innerward Yes becomes the power player. It's because Innerward Yes has spent the time investing into his relationship with Corey and Arlo up to this point. So heading into the swap now, Innerward Yes has the connections and can potentially either get people to flip or flip on his own tribe and have a degree of safety. And so from this moment, Innerward Yes becomes a massive threat to win the game. In my opinion, the major threat to win the game for most of the season from this point on. And it's because Innerward Yes just plays this tribe perfectly, in my opinion. And let's we'll talk about that a little bit more later. Um, but going 2.0. Um, holy crap, what a mess this tribe is. You've got Andrew, Cathal, and Akos, who... They weren't united on their original tribe, but all three are preaching tribe unity. And then you have Chalk, Mario, and Zayden, who all, like, none of them want to work with each other. Um, Akos and Chalk have built a very strong relationship cross-tribal. This is really where we see that cross-tribal communication come into play. You know, they didn't have a chance, the two tribes, to actually go to a tribal together up until now. And now that people from each tribe are mixing together, we're seeing those connections they built prior to the swap becoming like massive pieces of this season. As Chalk has been talking to everybody in the game, everybody at this tribe knows Chalk is a mess. And in the event that they're going to go to a tribe, Chalk is going to get attention to be a vote. Um, and it really just comes down to whether or not each tribe. Uh, in terms of original tribal lines, is going to stick together. And then lastly, on Ratana, another really messy tribe is Angela and Matthew, who were pretty close on the original tribe, are swapped with Christopher, who neither of them feel the most confident about. I believe Matthew and Christopher are a little bit closer. And then a power trio is swapped together in Connor, Lane, and Axis. And you remember how I said those three were... Uh, or two of those three were the best spots on the tribe. Well, that remains the same with Connor and Lane being in complete control here. But Axis thinks he's in control, and he he plays that up quite a lot, as we will see. Um, the big thing to know here is that Angela is still in a really good position on this tribe because, like we've mentioned already, similar to Chalk, she's been talking to everybody. The difference between her and Chalk is that she's been doing it in a much more tasteful manner where she has a positive reputation rather than a negative one throughout the cast. And so she's wielded her influence very effectively, whereas Chalk has done it um, actively uh, hindering his own game, which is so funny to me. Um, and so that kind of demonstrates each tribe's initial dynamics. Uh, the major conflicts in the game, which were Angela's thrown vote on the Cathal, they were split up. You had um, Axis and Chalk were split up. And all any potential like major conflicts were split up amongst tribes. So hypothetically, like every tribe should go to a tribe. There's not a ton of reason, apart from Chalk and Mario and Zayden, for people to like 
split onto each other, right? You, know, you don't want to give up potential numbers in a three to three split when you don't know how long you're going to spend on this tribe. Um, you don't know, like, is this other tribe going to keep me around if I give up numbers? You don't know. Um, you don't know if you could trust these people, but you've gone to a tribal with the people on your tribe, and everybody has voted with the players that they're on their tribe with. And so, hypothetically, it should be three to three on every single tribe. But we don't see that everywhere. Um, one huge thing that came into play here as well was that a double tribal twist was announced. I don't, I could not find where this twist was announced, but um, I, it might have just been in this actual challenge. Uh, the first place tribe is the only tribe that is safe. Okay. So um, the second and third place in tribes do go to tribal. Apparently, the second place tribe gets a reward. I don't remember. I don't know what that reward is, though. I, I can't see what the reward is for. Oh, excuse me. Um, I don't see what the reward is for this um, challenge. Like, I just think the second and third place is just go to tribal. Uh, maybe it was that they have the higher placement, which I which what, what happened, you know. Tribal Council 3 went to the third place tribe and Tribal Council 4 went to the fourth place tribe. And so in the challenge, um, Ratana just doesn't try at all. Really, it feels like um, Axis doesn't even submit a vote um, or submit a score, I believe. It, does, it like, doesn't do anything. Oh no, Ratana was second place, sorry. And Pagong is third place. Uh, both tribes did pretty shit on the challenge. Um, and so Tagi, with the pretty average time, wins their challenge. Um, and they also get a clue to their hidden immunity idol, which, you know, is cool. And so we see Ritana and Pagong, the two messy tribes, you know, when you're looking at them from an initial standpoint aren't both the two tribes that are going to tribal which sets up for in my opinion two of the best tribals not just in this season but in survivor's history um this is in my opinion one of the best episodes ever of survivor there's so much happening all at once so much chaos that it's hard to do it justice um, in retrospect. And so we'll go tribe by tribe. First with the tribe that's going to send the 18th placer home. Uh, Gong 2.0. Originally, the original Tagis, Akos, Andrew, and Cathal are all like, we're going to stick together. We can see that the other tribe is very divided. We can see that Chalk and Mario are almost definitely going to want to take a shot at each other. And so, um, uh, Andrew and Cathal want to take the shot at Chalk because Chalk is such a big, like, power player in the game, even though everybody wants him gone, that they are like, 
let's take Chalk out. Let's just get him out. We run the tribe from there. <sighs> you know, we can take Mario out or Zayden out the next tribal. However, Akos has a good relationship with Chalk. Does not want Chalk out and actually refuses to vote for Chalk. Um, and is like, guys, I will vote with you. I want to vote with you desperately. Akos desperately wants to vote with like, Andrew and Cathal. And it's like, let's try to vote Mario. Let's see. Um, and for whatever reason, Andrew and Cathal just refuse to budge. And so we're looking at a tribe where both sides need to stick together. And Chalk and Mario and Zayden are like actively saying, like, we're not gonna stick together. <laughs> and so. They are all down, like Chalk is down to vote against Mario, and I believe so is Zayden. And Mario is like go voting against Chalk. And so things shuffle around a little bit. Zayden is a name that gets thrown by Andrew and Kath or Cathal to Chalk and Mario, and they tell Zayden. And they start to realize that they're all hearing different things, you know? And Chalk, Mario, and Zayden are like, uh, we don't want to work with each other, right? Like that that is worst case scenario. Is to work with our original tribe that we came here with. Because they really just don't trust each other. It's at least Chalk and Mario. I think Zayden has a decent relationship with the two of them. But the other two just don't trust each other. And Akos, um, is told by Andrew and Cathal that they will they won't vote Mario that they they want to vote Chalk and that's what they're gonna do. So Akos is like, am I really gonna have to go with this? And Akos ends up like considering flipping, and then he's like, you know, no, that is the stupidest move I can make. You know, as as much as I don't want to vote Chalk out, it's stupid to flip on them. I might just have to vote Chalk out, or at the very least, I gotta try to convince Andrew and Cathal to vote for Mario. Um, something happens where Andrew and Cathal get caught in a lie because rather than budging and making sure they're good with Akos, who's their number, and they're like insistent on voting Chalk, but they decide, you know what? We can just pull a three to two to one off. We can get Mario on our side to vote Chalk and leave Akos out. Just tell Akos that we're going to vote for Mario. Um, tell Chalk we're going to vote for Mario. Tell Zayden uh, to vote for uh, Cathal. Because that is the name that Chalk, Mario, and Zayden have agreed upon themselves. Even though I think they all know that they're probably not going to vote together. And so the way it stands, it's either three votes Chalk, two votes Mario, one vote Cathal. Or it's three votes Chalk. Two votes Cathal, one vote Mario if Chalk was to vote Cathal. And so that's the way it's looking. But Akos gets word of this, apparently, because Chalk hears about it from Mario, tells people on the other tribes who come back and tell Akos that Andrew and Cathal are lying to him about voting for chalk and that they're actually or about voting for mario and that they're actually gonna vote for chalk and akos is like you know what if my own tribe mates are lying to me why don't i just flip on them 
Because they're not, I can't trust them anyways. They're just lying to me. I'm just going to flip on them now. Vote with Chalk and Mario and Zayden, who they managed to unite. And we're going to vote against Cathal. And that's what happens. Chalk, Mario, and Zayden, who are as ununified, like broken as you possibly can be going into swap. They managed to vote together, but this group of three who were supposed to be pretty tight. Akos flips on them because they just refuse to even consider voting for Mario. And Akos's reasoning is very legitimate here, too. Uh, news of the Claw Alliance is very public, you know. Um, and so Mario has that, you know, target on his back because of that. And Chalk, on the other hand, is being thrown under the bus by everybody. Akos is like, hey, if we vote with Chalk here, it gives us a number. Like, Chalk doesn't really have anybody else to work with. It gives us a number. And worse comes to worse, we go to Tribal again. We got to vote Chalk out or we vote Zayden out, you know? And in addition, Akos has no game relationship with Mario. And so, um, it, it, for Andrew and Cathal, I don't really know why they're so dead set on voting for Chalk here. Um, but at the end, you know, they end up paying the price for it and Cathal bites the bullet and ends up leaving the game in 18th place when. Had he just voted out, out uh, Mario, Cathal probably goes pretty deep in this game. Um, he probably wasn't going to have much of a threat on him. And I do believe that, you know, Andrew is the one that gets a lot of the heat at the end of the day. Instead, it's a 4-2 vote, and Andrew, who is playing a great game up to this point, all of a sudden has a million spotlights on him because he is at the very bottom of Pagong 2.0 now. When originally he was destined to be at the top and running this tribe. And he even votes incorrectly and he acknowledges that if they go to tribal again, he's probably going to go home, which is almost certainly what's going to happen. That's just the Pagong 2.0 tribal. The Ratana tribal is even more messy somehow. So heading into this tribal council, Honor Lane and Axis, they're working together no matter what. There's a 0% chance that they flip. Angel, on the other hand, has openly suggested she would flip. Matthew and Chris have not. Matthew, in fact, is so dead set on rocks that it, like, throws everybody else off. And so, Connor and Lane and Axis do some white line and they get Christopher to throw out Angela's name and this is because they're trying to split that group of three up between Chris and Matt and Angela trying to get them to flip on each other and not work with each other and well that doesn't really go very well um Chris and Matt and Angela they play into it uh they even try to suggest that Chris has the uh idol from the original tribe and so you know they're they're trying to convince Connor Lane and Axis to split their votes, whereas Connor Lane and Axis are trying to split the, the other three. Um, they're trying to convince them to split their votes. And so, you know, everybody is assuming that this vote is going to uh, be like a three to two to one vote or something along those lines, or even four to one to one. 
Um, Angela is just not on the table at all as a vote. Neither are Connor, Lane, or Axis. You know, the Connor and Lane and Axis are all you know potentially going to get the votes from the three original Toggies, but none of them were in danger of leaving the game. Um, apparently, Chris and Angela have even like a fake fight. Um, and so everybody thinks that they are being the mastermind of the game. They all think that this three to two to one is going to happen and that they're going to get their way. But everybody ends up lying to each other. And specifically, uh, Angela lies to everybody. Um, she is in a great position here. And she knows that there's a good chance the votes may end up tying. And if that happens, she's not going to go to rocks. And the votes end up tying. Um, and it is three to three. And uh, in that tribal chat, they, they are very open to just discussing, you know, what is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, we could read through it here. You can actually see the fake fighting that they're doing. Yeah, or maybe fake. I, I don't know. I mean, look at all this. Look at all this. He's not just showing the, the clue. Um, yeah, and if you want to read any of this, you can pause. But you can just see how, like, how messy this tribe is. In how everybody thinks they're going to end up being the mastermind of the game. And go all the way to the end. We can see that um, the original vote ties. Everybody's calling Axis the Axis of Evil. Um, so Angela ends up flipping. As we will see here. If I can scroll fast enough, reading the votes, Matt does vote Axis. I think Matt knows that uh, Chris is leaving. I don't think Angela hit that. She flips on Chris, and Chris ends up becoming the 17th placer of Survival Org Borgneo. And so, Chris is a player who it's kind of hard to tell whether Chris would have gone much further. Chris wasn't the most active as far as I know. Um, overall though, I mean, I think that access staying in the game is something that may not have been the best for the game's overall, like health and the mental health of the players, but made the season a lot more interesting. And I think the access present in the game is one of the big reasons truck didn't potentially get all the way to the end which would have been even worse of an outcome, in my opinion, than what ended up happening this season. And that kind of takes us out of episode three. Um, I think the power players at this point in the game, on each tribe, we have Connor and Lane from the Retaina tribe. We have Chalk uh, as the, the person who was in control of the... Um, the Gong 2.0 tribe, and then in a word, yes, is in the power position on the other tribe, and that takes us into episode four, which is a bit of a disappointment. Um, it's another double tribal episode, and the challenge I forget what it was, I didn't write it in my notes. 
It is the Counting Wars. So it's the Counting L challenge that was featured in future chat seasons where you just kind of count as many objects as you can. They're a very simple live challenge. And at the end of the day, um, the Pagong 2.0 tribe, uh, which is the tribe with Andrew, Akos, Chalk, Mario, and Zayden now, they win the challenge, which, I mean, looking at who, ended up, who ends up winning the season, it, it's huge. Um, Andrew surviving this round gives him the opportunity to make amends with the other people on his tribe. Uh, he cannot make amends with Chalk. Chalk does not like Andrew anymore. And so those two are at, comp- they're at uh, opposite ends of the stick. And uh, Chalk is in control of this tribe. He will control pretty much where the things go at this point. Even though Mario doesn't really trust him, the fact that they, those two and Zayden voted together kind of gave them a lot of confidence um, in that group of sticking together. Uh, and so they end up avoiding tribal. Um, on uh, Ratana, they get back from tribal, and Matt kind of knows, like, yeah, I'm in, I'm in trouble. And a lot of his confessionals in this episode are pretty. Um, they're pretty uh, frustrated. Pretty. Disappointed, pretty exhausted, you know, just Matt's just kind of giving up. Um, yeah, um, Matt feels pretty betrayed by Angela because Angela has apparently told them, like, I'm a hundred percent going uh, to rocks, and then she doesn't. Matt just feels betrayed, and Matt feels like dead in the water but on this tribe like the other they're considering getting rid of angela and it's just because um connor and lane and axis they're kind of perceiving that upcoming there's going to be a swap after this vote because they're after this round with the um the taki 2.0 tribe going to their first tribal and that being a double tribal is gonna only be 14 people left and they are expecting there to be a swap. Um, and so, um, while Matt doesn't exactly know this, and Matt's just kind of giving up because no one is scrambling. Um, like, Matt is, like, hoping that maybe Connor will try to save him. And Connor does, you know, try and tries to see if maybe Angela can leave. Um, one huge development though is that Lane finds the idol. Oh, this is really early on in confessionals. And so, as you can see, this is the idol right here. And Lane has found the first idol of the season. This idol ends up being very, very important in the grand scheme of things. Um, and Lane's possession of this idol is, I think, really good for the game as a whole. As Lane is a great player 
in this game. Um, seems just like a great person. And just, I think that if there's going to be an item on somebody's hands in Survival Org Borgnia, you know, there's nobody really better to have it. And so, Lane ends up telling Connor about the idol, but not Axis, those two keep it to themselves. Or maybe Lane did tell Axis, but Axis doesn't mention it in his confessionals at all. And ultimately, this group decides, you know what, we already have burnt the bridge with Matt. Let's just vote him out. And Matt realizes this and ends up quitting the game. Uh, before allowing himself to be voted out, which, I mean, you never want to see people quit the game, but Matt was going through some stuff at the time in his personal life, and I, I cannot blame anybody forever for quitting the game. Um, I know that Matt got a lot of flack for this, um, and I, I do think that something that kind of needs to be addressed now is that in old survival work quitters were looked down upon so heavily if you quit the game you're, you're never going to come back you're never going to you know get any respect from the hosts and after seeing this happen to matt and subsequent quitters from the game um I think a lot of people are afraid to quit the game in future seasons. And, you know, kudos to Matt for doing what he felt he had to do and leaving the game while it was still good for him. And I have a ton of respect for that decision. It's the first quit in Survival Org history. Um, but it is really sad to see it happen because I've known Matt for a while. Matt feeling like that, it sucks. You don't want to see anybody feeling like that over an org. and. That, like, really downcast feeling is starting to spread throughout this cast as Connor is feeling pretty bad because Connor and Axis kind of bullied Matt um, just a little bit. Um, I mean, Axis even admits to doing it. Um, you can see here, I'm such a bully. Yeah, I mean, it's not a good look for Axis, and the the narrative is starting to become, you know, yeah, Chalk is like a total dick, right? But Axis is just as bad, and so those two just absolute villains kind of coming to a clash in this season, it defines a lot of the rest of this game. And so, you know, looking forward, you know, we can expect them to have a big role in how this game is played. And so then there's also another tribal still happening. And this one is more interesting, although the outcome is pretty anticlimactic. Um, on Taki 2.0, things are going to go just as we expect as both tribes, while they're not super unified going in, they end up being unified. They vote three to three with each tribe voting against each other. Um, votes go against inward. Yes. Um, and possibly this, possibly this is targeted because possibly this is the least connected in the game and also has connections to Chalk, who, um, that, that is crazy that Chalk's relationship with possibly this 
was actually a reason why possibly this left the game. Um, we see Chalk's influence once again, just building throughout the game in a bad way. His allies are getting voted out because they're close with him. And so even with that, Arlo and Corey, um, originally they're expecting somebody to flip, but then they realize that the other three are just going to vote with each other. Pow and Majestic don't do really give any confessionals, so we don't know where their heads are at over this section, but it just seems like they're pretty committed to you know, sticking with the status quo with, in a word, yes, voting with him. In a word, yes, is disappointed because he was under the impression that Arlo and Corey were going to flip, but um, at the end of the day, well, actually, I think, in a word, yes, wanted Corey gone, but then the Possibly this vote was just there because Arlo and Corey both basically said, you know, we are going to flip after the vote ties. And this is actually really smart, okay? Um, I think more people should do this. Uh, Arlo and Corey are down to flip, but they don't want to do it on the initial vote because there's a chance that it is a three to two to one blindside against them. And they don't want that. They do not want the votes to be split. At all, they want a three to three tie. That way, they can safely flip on possibly this. And they, in their heads, they're both kind of counting on a swap. They're both counting on there being a swap after this that they don't have to potentially go to another tribal and potentially vote each other out. And so that's exactly how it goes. You know, um, Arlo and Corey flip on the tie vote, and it ends up being a four to zero vote against possibly this. Uh, somebody who it is hard to tell how much farther possibly this would have gone. I do see possibly this potentially making the merge um, as you know, in the upcoming rounds, a lot of you were going to see a lot more chaos once again unfolding. And overall, just kind of recapping these first four episodes of Survivor Borgnio, um, there it's a great start to the season. You know, at the very end, we're starting to see some of the negative traits of the season starting to take bloom, but it's a pretty great start, you know? I mean, a lot of times in Survivor, we've seen a pretty boring start to the game with not a lot of action. And here, the, it gets going from 10 minutes on into the game. And I think it's something that is really characteristic of early orgs, where the gameplay is a lot more chaotic and messy. And I do miss that a lot. Um, however, I think a lot of that messiness can be attributed to how much everybody knows each other. As, as the series has gone on in survive work and the casts become less and less uh, knowledgeable about each other. I mean, in modern day, you know, most of the time you go into the seasons and you might know two or three of the players on the season. And so it is, it is a really, really interesting dynamic not great dynamic you know i think in terms of like the mental health aspect of this i think playing with a bunch of people that are your friends outside the game that you've known for a couple months now and like actively talk to all the time is not good um but in terms of actual gameplay it's been awesome and so the two most influential players in the game are angela and chalk um, Angela's influence is starting to uh, go down a bit as she's kind of been nullified through the swap a bit 
And then chalk is negative influence. You know, things that he doesn't want to happen are happening outside of his tribe. And that is really interesting to look at. And if we look at the original tribal lines, um, I believe there are five original Tigis gone already. Uh, with the only one, or four rather, uh, as possibly this Enveropia were both um, Pagong, and then Judd, uh, Kefal, uh, Chris, and Matt were all on Tagi. So it's eight to six on original tribal lines. It is five to five to four on um, OG on swap tribal lines. And now going into the final 14, um, the game is set to kind of come to a grinding halt almost as uh, a fake merge is about to happen. And so that is what we're going to start with. Um, next episode, uh, as a sneak peek, we will have two guests. We're going to have Jake, a former host of and one of the main executive producers of the Survivor series for like nine, 10, 11 seasons. Um, he is going to be joining us as well as Andrew, the winner of Survivor Borgneo, as we will be talking about episodes five through, I think, 12. I, that might be mistaken, though. We're going to go for all the way from Final 14 to the Final 7. And after that, we will have one more episode on Borgneo where we talk about the end game, and we will have Andrew as the sole guest for that portion of this podcast. And then we'll kind of wrap up Borgneo and move on to Australia. So thank you for listening. Hopefully future episodes may be a little shorter, but I will see you later. Thank you.